if you're not tracking things, like it's easy to burn a hundred dollars without knowing where it went or 500 or even a thousand oh, yeah. over a couple of weeks, right? It, it could happen really quickly. This is Digital Marketing. Everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you need to be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Scott Cunningham, one of our favorites, our uh, e-commerce master, the head of our e-commerce certification, and also, which is the reason why uh, he is so capable with what he does, he's the founder of Merchant Mastery and Socialite, producing $150 million in sales for Shopify stores last year year. I was super impressed when you said last year, because I was like, oh, 150 million. That's really impressive. And then you're like, in 12 months. <laughs> so welcome, Scott. Thanks so much, Mark. I got to say, you guys are one of my favorites too. So it's always good to be back here. Well, I think, you know, you've contributed so much to the community and, uh, you know, you really represent the values that we like here at Digital Marketer, which is providing people with the information they need to take action, uh, but also making it narrow enough where it's simple enough where it's easy to adopt and, you know, really get on track before you kind of get to the next level and customize everything. So I think you're, you're an excellent representation of uh, what we look to teach. I think you just nailed it on the head. Like with e-commerce, it could get really complicated really quick like immediately (laughs) (laughs) there there is literally an infinite amount of tactics and growth hacks that we could be trying that just distract us from the main goal so i think that's the game the game in e-commerce is simplifying it so it sounds like i'm in the right place today Oh, yeah. Well, and I think today, you know, we're talking about kind of the basic misconceptions that people have about e-commerce, whether you have a lot of experience or you've never done anything. You know, I think a lot of it leads from I hate to say it, Shopify, <laughs> where the Shopify has these ads and GoDaddy has these ads and Wukong, you know, WordPress has these ads and they may, oh, hey, just drag and drop your product in and boom, you're a millionaire. <laughs> like that's the way they make it look. Whereas we both know that there's so many things that go into it. So I figure we could kind of start with uh, one of the biggest misconceptions, I think, which is the tool is what you need. There's some magic tool out there that's going to make you successful at e-commerce. So, you know, what kind of uh, questions do you usually get about, hey, what tool should I use or to make me successful? Yeah, I think that is a major misconception. We got to like kind of bear it down to the basics. We're going to simplify things, right? I promise that we're going to do that today. So let's start doing that. Let's start simplifying it. Like you kind of scared me a little bit there. You're like, Shopify is telling you, you need to get on Shopify and start a business. (laughs) Now, the first question I had when you said that, like, this is just a live example that, that came into my mind is like, wait a minute, but like, what, what are we going to sell? Right. So that's kind of like the first question. It's not about getting on Shopify and quitting your day job. It's about like the most important ingredient in determining the fate of your store in the long run is if you're selling something that people actually get value from. Mm. A wild concept, right? Like, oh yeah, is, is it, does it make money? <laughs> does anybody <laughs> does, want this? Does, thing? does it make money? And that this is what we call kind of like proof of concept. And this is the question I always ask people. And I love, I love, 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 love meeting Shopify store owners who have first sold their product organically, mm-hmm. like they've went to a farmer's market, they've done yes. a trade show, they did a pop up, they went to a friend's house and sold live. They caught on the phone with people. Like if you're able to sell your products organically, you're getting that immediate feedback from the customer. They're, they're telling you, hey, this product kicked butt. I love it. Can't live without it. Or they're telling you this wasn't for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But as long as you have that initial validation, like you got 50 customers outside of your friends and family that 
loved the product, left you a review, bought a second time. That just tells me we're ready. We're in business now, right? Now we're in business. Now it's time to get, go call GoDaddy. Now it's time to go call Shopify and, and turn this into a real thing. Oh, I love that. Uh, it's so simple, but yeah, if you do have a product idea, you have something that you're like, oh, this will totally sell, like go ahead and make it and go ahead and start trying to sell it to people. And if you get the feedback that nobody wants this thing, then no tool is going to fix that problem. You know, no, I don't want to go like, I don't want to jump too far into the future here, but imagine a scenario where you have a product that you didn't confirm that people like, mm. right? And you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to get, I'm going to build a website. I'm going to get the inventory. I'm going to go and like launch some ads and then the ads don't work. Where, where is the problem, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to come to the conclusion that the ad platform was the problem, but we don't even know. Was it the, was it the ads, the website, or was it the worst case scenario? Nobody likes your product. Yes. Well, but then now you've just muddied the waters. So there's no way you're going to easily find out. And I think before, especially, you know, cause I kind of got started in the dawn of e-commerce and back then it was just like, who could figure out how to sell online at all? Like that was the qualifier. And I think we never really moved past that, even though the tools have gone way easier, the process has gone way easier. And now we have the AI prospect where, Hey, machine build a website to sell this product. That's not going to be impossible. Like that's literally yeah. something that can happen. So what happens when anybody could sell any product because the technical aspects are automatic, it comes down to the, the product. It comes, <laughs> down the product, the product. it comes down to like the right product for the right customer segment too. Cause like I was talking about this concept of proof of concept, a little bit of meta uh, examples here for you, for, for you here. <laughs> but like when it comes to proof of concept, you could have the best product in the world for someone, right? So like you validated that some segment loves it. They get so much value, they're using it. But then you go and build your marketing campaign. And now it's a different story because you could have that product and you could position it to the wrong customer segment with the wrong messaging and the wrong offer and it could fall completely flat, mm. right? So it's really about the right product and really knowing who that product is for. Yeah. So, so basically 95% of your issues are product and then 5% are the tools that are used yeah. to sell the product. This uh, is like a, this is like something that triggers me a lot is when I'm like working, you know, I've mentored literally thousands of Shopify stores. I've worked with hundreds of Shopify stores personally. I've done courses, done trainings, all this kind of stuff. So I meet a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I always, people are always asking questions about tools. Like they'll be like, what's the latest tool? What's the latest like upsell tool, email tool app. And I'm like, that's, that's going to be an important thing when you understand the objective of what that tool is going to solve, right? So it's like, yeah, you want to know the latest app, but is your business equipped to even utilize it in the best way possible? Mm. So it's, it's, I would more so think about it like what KPI am I trying to fix and what tool is the best to help me fix that? Yes. But, but no matter what, like that's more advanced than is necessary. If you're just getting started, like, don't worry about how do I optimize? It's like, you're not even at the beginning. Like, where are you trying yeah. to optimize? You have no data, you know? If, you yeah. If you're just listening, if you're just getting started, just ignore everything I just said and <laughs> focus on the main so things here. We don't need any tools yet. <laughs> Farmer's market. It'll be good. All right. Yeah. So, so I think that hopefully that dispels, but I think what we'll do, uh, you know, in the upcoming episodes is really dive deep into that, that element of, of tools, you know, cause once you're at a higher level. And once you do uh, have gone past the basic barriers, you have a stream of income, you have a conversion product, you have a hero product. Now you can worry about tools. So we will talk about tool just in case anybody I'll, is I'll do a quick little, like little, not a spoiler, but when it comes to the tools and we can talk about it on that next episode, we'll go really deep on it. But it's like ultimately in 
e-commerce. All you're trying to do is lower the cost to acquire customer, increase the amount people spend with you every time. So your AOV and increase purchase frequency. So that's like, it, um, those are the three things that we're always trying to optimize. Like there's a million other KPIs we can track, but it comes down to those three. And I'm, if then I would ask myself, like, if I'm using a tool, does it help me fix one of those three things? If it doesn't, it's a distraction. Love that kind of uh, operational principle-based application. Totally. Search. <laughs> Acquisition. There you go. Uh, we'll come up with a name for it. But you know, I love that. So, so the tools do matter. They just don't matter as much as you think they do initially until yeah. they can and help the great, you scale. The great problem is they're fun. They they're are fun. fun to play with, right? Like they're fun to set up. They're fun to experiment with. They're like toys and video games. It's, it's kind of like what it is. But the problem is with e-commerce, like I was saying in the beginning, there's a million different tools we could try. So we don't want to do a bunch of them. Well, they, they become distractions rather than additions, right? Exactly. And we're just like, we're not doing any of them well, right? But if I'm like, okay, my objective in the next 90 days is to increase my AOV, then I'm getting serious about fixing that KPI. Then I'm going to start thinking about, I need to do cross-sells, I need to do upsells, I need to do bundles, I need to do buy now, pay later. So now I know like, what are my, what's my strategy to increase my AOV? And then I'm going to be like, okay, what tool can help me with this thing? And, and this is like one of my takeaways. You don't have to wait for that episode for this little takeaway here. It's like, don't try and master 10 tools or 10 KPIs at mm. once. Give yourself some room. Be like, over the next 90 days, I'm going to fix these three KPIs. One of them is about AOV. This is the tool I'm going to use. Because if you're trying to solve like 20 KPIs at once with 20 different tools at once, you're not actually going to, you're going to be a master of none. Yep. Right? We just want to be a master of one thing at a time. I mean, if, if my objective is to fix AOV, well, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go get a tool and I'm going to like spend weeks until I fix this thing. No, I love that. Well, and that's, that's, you know, kind of goes in line with, with my thinking about it, which is coming from fitness. Cause in fitness, it was, uh, people go, I think like if, when people decide to get fit 60 to 70% of them will go directly to supplements where they're like, oh, I need to get fit time to buy protein powder and pre-workout and, you know, fat burner and all these different things. You're like, no, you're not even close to having that stuff take any effects because you don't have all the other, you don't have the diet in check. You don't have the, the workouts in check. You don't have anything. And you're using the thing that'll help an additional 5%, but you're missing the 95%. So uh, I think we'll help people, uh, you know, come up with the process for evaluating, adding, and actually building up the skills you need to even understand how to use these tools and what they do. So yeah, like I like that analogy. It's like, you're learning to crawl. We're not going to go compete in a hundred meter race tomorrow. So you don't need all that advanced. You know, yet. It's not going to, <laughs> it's like, well, swimming too. I was like, everybody used to shave their legs in high school for swimming. Cause it takes off like a 10th <laughs> of a second. And you're like, dude, your time is like, you're so far. It, it doesn't, it's not going to help you. <laughs> Fix the, to cut off 10 seconds off your lap. 10 seconds. We can see off 10 seconds if we improve your form. Uh, the shaving your legs isn't going to help. Anyways. Hey, everyone. I wanted to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals. Everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your digital marketing strategy certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert.
<laughs> okay, so another misconception people have is uh, ROAS. So return on advertising spend, or let's just talk about return on investment, your ROI for your products, for all your marketing efforts. Uh, a lot of people, when they get started during the launch phase, they think they have to be profitable right off the bat. And that's not necessarily true. So I always just talk about what, what's your kind of misconceptions you see with ROAS or ROI? If, yeah, if, you're, if you've been in the game a long time, obviously you'll know all this stuff with advertising. But if you're new and you're just starting to advertise, it could be scary, right? It could be scary because if you're not tracking things, like it's easy to burn $100 without knowing where it went or 500 or even 1000 oh, yeah. over a couple of weeks, right? It, it could happen really quickly. So the key takeaway, if you're just getting started with advertising, we're not going for the Hail Mary. We're not going for the touchdown. We're not going for like the overnight success. We're not going to be like, okay, I got the validation. Scott said to go sell to farmer's market. People told me they loved it. So now I'm going to go put an ad out there and just wait for the sales to trickle in, right? That's not how it works. Yes, we want the validation. So we know that people actually like the product. That tells me, like, I'm going to get stubborn with that. I'm going to be like, we already validated it. Someone loves it. So I'm, I'm going to keep going and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go find other people like those customer, customers that validated it, right? So what we would do is we would just start with a little experiment. We want to come up with like many different kind of ad angles, different creatives, and put a small budget behind testing a lot with the goal of getting to at least one return on ad spend, mm -hmm. right? If, if we can't get to a one return on ad spend, we can't fund the experiment. We can't fund the, the advertising, right? So the ultimate goal at a bare minimum is to at least hit that one return on ad spend. But when we launch like a wide experiment, it's gonna be like some losers, some that broke even and some that crushed it. And then we eventually like switch our focus to the ones that crushed it and we scale. But I think you're right. Like at a bare minimum, we got to at least break even on that return on ad spend if we're going to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. Well, and same thing with ROI. But you know what people have to understand about both of these aspects is that they'll improve over time. So the initial one, as long as it just proves a concept, it's good enough. Now you have the information you need. Just like products, because a lot of people develop a prototype, they get it manufactured kind of in-house or maybe they build it themselves and it's not scalable and it, it's really expensive but if you could prove the concept, test out, you know, have your ROAS be positive, <laughs> then now you've proven it. Now you could get into manufacturing and you could outsource oh, that yeah. and make it cheaper. And now you make more profitable. But initially, you don't have to crush it. Listen, this is one of the biggest red flags that we come across is if you've been running ads for two months and you're still at like a 0.5 ROAS, that's a major red flag. But if you're at a one, Hey, it's just what you said, we can okay. validate that we could sell on Facebook with ads, right? And that's a really good sign to me. If you have a one, that tells me that we were able to find a customer with whatever ad we put out there and we could probably do better, mm -hmm. right? But if it's lower than one and we're just like sinking our spend and sinking all of our cash flow, that's a big, big red flag. No, and I think that's good. But but that's the positive thing because I I had one company I work with and we had we were positive. I think we were like 1.5, and I was like, we're doing good. Like this is awesome. We're, we're making money. And they're like, well, it should be two. <laughs> like how how we don't have any data now. We it could get to two, but we proved that it works. So let's go ahead and add money to it. And then in some cases they cut their entire budget. We're like, it's not profitable enough. And I'm like, what? I don't want to go down too far of a rabbit hole. So you got to be that fox that comes out there and gets me if I get <laughs> too, too deep here. But like in this day and age, we can't, we, we can't depend on being profitable on customer acquisition. So like ROAS isn't everything. I have a shirt that says, kiss my ROAS, not wearing it today. <laughs> if you're listening, you want one, Next hit up. me up. I'll get you one. <laughs> right. Kiss my ROAS because 
that's one piece of the equation, right? It's really about the lifetime value of the customer. So it's not just about like selling once and being profitable on, on our ROAS. It's about like, hey, how quickly can we repeat sell to customers and, and increase that purchase frequency? So I think that ROAS is important. Like, hey, that 1.5 you just told me about, I was like, hey, that sounds great. Let's, uh, let's, let's do some more testing. Let's get that up to two and let's scale that thing. Exactly. Well, and I think that's where, you know, in the episode, when we talk about ROAS, we, we incorporate that, that lifetime value because that's the real ROAS and it's not an individual campaign or an individual product or whatever, or an individual promo. It's no, what did it lead to the, the greater picture? Cause that's, what's really profitable, especially we'll, we'll dive into this in that episode for sure. Here's a little, another sneak peek. I'll do a little sneak peek after every uh, point we touch on. Give me too much info. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, and, and one of the things we're looking for, it's like, ultimately you want to know your acquisition cost, right? So what is the cost to acquire a customer? That's like all of your marketing and sales expenses divided by the number of customers in any given period of time, right? And what you're ultimately looking for to really know if you can scale is you want that like three to one ratio of lifetime value to CAC. So it's mm-hmm. like CLV to CAC should be three to one. If you're acquiring a customer for 50 bucks and the lifetime value is 150, this is scale territory. So we'll, we'll, we'll get way deeper into that during that episode. But that's kind of like what we're looking for is like not just the ROAS, but the, the actual customer acquisition cost that includes all your sales and marketing expenses versus the actual lifetime value. That's what we're really looking for when we're thinking scalability. But when it comes to ROAS 1, 1.5, that is not a miserable situation. That's like good validation you're, right you're, there. Yeah, you took the first step, you proved it. Now you could do the real stuff. But totally. You did a good job. So I think that's what we want people to take from that and tune in uh, to that episode if you want to learn the big picture, which is what everybody goes to first. And it's like, no, you got to survive first and then you could get to the fun part. It, it, it totally is that. It's just optimizing, spending time in the laboratory, getting out there, getting to know people, getting feedback, failing a little bit, getting back up, dusting yeah. yourself off. <laughs> listening, right? listening it and is. learning. Listening. That's the key, listening. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about the the next misconception is uh, channel chasing. Basically, when people decide like, oh, I tried Facebook and that didn't work. They don't get my product. So I went to YouTube ads and that, ah, you know what, video is not good for me. And so I went to short form video, TikTok. TikTok will be great. And oh, that didn't work. Let me go to Pinterest. And so you have uh, business owners who think that, you know, it's not their messaging. It's not their product. It's just the wrong platform. And if they can find that right platform, everything will be solved. But what's reality? <laughs> You're giving me a little PTSD right now, <laughs> thinking about that because there are a lot of channel chasers, right? A lot of this is one of the biggest misconceptions I hear from thousands of Shopify store owners that I've worked with over the years. These are like you said, they're like Facebook's no longer working, so I try Google and TikTok, and I just keep chasing these channels, thinking that's going to fix it, but it's not going to fix the problem. The real thing that is going to fix your acquisition problem and your sales problem is your positioning. Mm. I know this is like a big buzzy word that that a lot of marketers will most know. people well they, they say it but they don't know it <laughs> yeah, m- most people wouldn't know it and maybe some marketers know it right but it's literally just the way that you're presenting your products to your customers on all your platforms that's what i mean about positioning like what's your place in the market how is your product better than competitors how are we going to make our customers life better than anyone else could right that's kind of your positioning and i think what we always do and we scale companies i've I've worked with businesses for years that we've scaled from a thousand dollars a month to ten thousand to a hundred thousand to a million a month right so so we see this all the time and in that kind of scenario of that example i gave the last thing that we would do or recommend is to be on every channel at once (laughs) right i was about to say that (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
we, we would say, let's just start with one. Maybe we start with Facebook, Instagram, right? That's the same ads manager. We'll start with Facebook and Instagram. Let's get some validation that we can sell there, right? So if we can't get that one, two ROAS, we just got to keep working on the messaging, the positioning. We got to work on the ad angles. We got to work on the creative. We got to work on the headlines and the subject lines and all these kinds of things, right? And then what happens is you start to validate, oh, that, that positioning, every time I put that hook in this message, every time I use that creative, it always crushes it. I always get a 3% click-through rate. I always get a two ROAS. And you start to learn what's really resonating with your market. And then you can kind of like go all in on that. And mm. once you have that positioning in that channel that work, it's so much easier getting a second channel to work when one was already working. Really hard to get a second channel working when the first one wasn't. Mm. Really easy to get a second one working when the first one was. Oh, that's such a good point because I, I think it's like you said, I mean, I was going to say like the worst thing you could do is say, I'm going to be on every channel and then you just suck at all of them, <laughs> which is yeah. uh, how could you succeed at all of them? I mean, it's every single one of them is so much work. And, and that's kind of what I was talking about with the, the tools talk was, yeah, you're getting sold on the commercial that says you could drag and drop and make the most amazing store ever. Or if you just plug in this one tool, you're, you know, we have testimonials from people 10 xing their whatever. It's like, yeah, of course they do. But they're talking about their top 10% of clients that are using the product, which is what that's marketing. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like it, this is to me, to me, this is, you know, you, you gave me a little intro there. You said we did $150 million in sales last year for Shopify stores using our positioning formula. Mm -hmm. That's because that's what we, Ba like everything is based on that. If you can nail your positioning, the way that you are communicating your products to your customers and you know your customers really well and it's resonating, it's so much easier to have a higher conversion rate on Shopify. It's so much easier to have a higher ROAS with your Facebook ads. It's so much easier to get more sales from your Clavio emails if your positioning is perfect. No, and that's uh, and that's what we'll talk about in that regards. Or just how to pick a channel because I think a lot of people, they just need to know like, hey, based on your industry, based on your product, based on your budget, here's what you should do in terms of picking a channel to advertise on. And that's what we'll talk about during that episode. You betcha. That sounds awesome. Spoiler alert, I would say Facebook, Instagram. More, Instagram. On, that, more on that later. <laughs> biased. <laughs> You're biased. I got that on the AMA too. Somebody's like, Mark can't comment on that. He's biased. I'm like, everybody's biased. Also, <laughs> we, we have our bias. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're marketers. As long as your bias isn't driving towards like, oh, I recommend this product specifically because I'm getting paid for it. Like that's a bad bias. That's a greedy bias. But if it's just a bias based on your experience, that's an opinion. So, yeah, and it's this is coming it. from data. Like with our agency, we advertise on every platform, right? We advertise on Snapchat, Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter a little bit, right? But at the end of the day, the one that's producing the most sales for us is still good old meta. Exactly. Well, and you know what? That's great. I'll listen to you <laughs> because you make money. And that's that's how you should choose who you listen to. Uh, all right. So let's talk about the next misconception is uh, just budgeting in general, where people think like, okay, I need a new brand. And I, I did brand and website development, which was like the first step for a lot of people. So they thought like, okay, I'm going to spend all this money on the website. I'm going to make the website perfect. And then I'm going to make sure my LLC is set. And then I'm going to get licenses for everything I'm doing. And I'm going to do all this work. And then at the end of the day, they spent 90% of their budget on stuff that didn't lead to selling anything and five to 10% on advertising, which actually does. So let's just talk about they got the budget misconceptions that you've seen with e-commerce. There's a, there's a misconception here. There's one of my favorite lines. You know, you heard the line, like, if you build it, they will come. 
Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams. Yeah. We say if you build it, they likely will not come, right? So a lot of like new entrepreneurs in the space, that's what they think. They're like, okay, I'm in business. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do all the things that Mark just said, the LLC, the LMNLP. I'm gonna get the big fancy website. I'm gonna invest in branding. I'm gonna get business cards. I'm gonna get all my inventory, right? I'm gonna invest in all these things. And the next day people are gonna show up and I'll say to them, okay, everything looks so fancy. I'm seeing a lot of like fancy things happening. We gotta, we gotta advertise. We gotta go out there and get after the market. We gotta do some marketing. We gotta get in front of customers. What's the budget for that that you have? And it's like, well, like I don't really I'm have broke. one because <laughs> we gotta do this bootstrap. <laughs> and you're like, wait, <laughs> and you, you wouldn't even believe like it, this. It's the way that we're making it sound is it's like nobody does that, but they do. Like because because we're like, oh, it's so ridiculous that nobody should do that, but people do it all the time mm-hmm. because it's fun. It's fun registering your business and getting inventory and and opening the doors for business, right? But I would do it completely in revert, like, or the opposite of what I was just saying I would do, right? So what I would do is get that validation, sell some units before even getting a website, before even getting all that inventory, right? Yeah, do do it the cheapest way possible to just try the product out on the market. And there's stuff I remember like Tim Ferriss in his book, he talks about listing like a fake product on eBay. I don't know if he said a fake product, but it was basically product testing to see what actually people wanted because they're bidding on it. So you know, like, okay, well, they're obviously somebody wants this. Now you could go source the product and now you can set up the store and do all the stuff. But until you know people are gonna buy it. There's a, who's, who's the shoemaker from the nineties? Not is Steve Madden's in football, right? Is there a shoe yeah. company? Steve Madden. Madden? Uh, the, there's know. a, what was his name? Anyway, this, there's a documentary on Netflix about this shoe company. Maybe it'll come to me while I'm talking about it. It's not Tom's, is it? Not Tom's. No, not Tom's, but it's like he, they have stores everywhere. It's a, it's a big famous hmm. shoe company. They have stores in Manhattan and Soho. I feel like it. I feel like it is Steve something. Somebody's listening. Yeah, Steve Madden. No, yeah, Steve Madden. They make the boots and stuff. Yeah, Steve Madden. Okay, yeah. is there a Madden guy in football too? I think there's Madden. Yeah, there's Madden <laughs> football. <laughs> it is Steve Madden. It is Steve Madden. Thank you. Right. So in this documentary, Steve Madden talks about this. He talks about the way that he makes shoes. And I'm not even kidding you. This this is like I was really fascinated by this documentary. He'll be walking down the street in New York. He'll see a woman wearing some really nice shoes that he likes. And he'll say, hey, can I buy those shoes off you right now? So he will literally like take the shoes off of them. And then he will go down to his factory in the Bronx or Brooklyn. I think it was the Bronx. And they will manufacture these shoes within the the next two days. And they will take about 20 of them to the Soho store in Manhattan. And if they sell 10 on a Saturday, that means that it's a hit. And then they will go and manufacture 10,000 in their Mexico factory. Right. So they're just looking for that validation before investing in the inventory and the website and all the other stuff that that is going to cost you to get that product to market. That that's huge. Well, that kind of goes back to the the whole ROAS ROI thing where it's like, you know, if it costs you, you know, five hundred dollars to make your first prototype and people are only willing to buy it for a hundred dollars, then at least somebody is willing to buy it. So if you could decrease that cost, you could still have a valid product, but you didn't have to waste you know, a zillion dollars figuring out the manufacturing process, the importing process, the sourcing. I mean, it, that's genius. I love that example. When you have that validation, like I, I hope this isn't being overlooked and people are like, yeah, 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 I got validation. No, like the easier it will be to sell with ads, to get a higher conversion rate, to sell with emails, if you have that validation. I see, mm. I've seen it time and time again for over a decade. When you have a product that people actually love, it's way like you're not forcing people to buy. Yes. It kind of like does some of its own selling because it's so awesome. 
Yeah, well, and, and you want to sell products that people already want because, of course, we could all invent stuff and be like, "Oh, well, this is a you know fifty times better way to do this one thing if you use this one tool," and nobody knows it exists. And even if it is genius, since nobody knows it exists and the entire concept is new, you have an uphill battle, and you're probably not going to make money for a long time just because you're going to have to establish it as the thing for this problem. That's Whereas totally- you could just go. Ah, well, people like this shovel and the shovel works. <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to change the handle color. Right. And it's like, like Steve okay. Madden, like approaching the women on the street. He's like, there's a fashionable woman. She obviously has good taste. She's, he started, started there. Things that people are already loving. Do that. And that, and then put your budget towards that. You get the initial thing out. Don't make 50,000 of something because it's going to increase your ROI if you don't know anybody wants one of the things. Like, so well, I, I, I hear this too many times and like, I empathize with anybody who's listening to this, who's in this scenario. So they'll, they'll call me up and they'll say, Scott, like a Shopify store owner will call me, Scott, I have 10,000 units in my basement that I need to get rid of. <laughs> like, okay, well, have you sold any? <laughs> That's like, <the> <laughs> That's <kind> of question. <laughs> yeah. Why did you do 10,000? Yeah. And it's because I get it. You save in bulk and all these good reasons and all these kinds of things, but like, I would rather small start with a very small sample size, move 50 to 100 units organically, get that feedback, and then start building the business side of it, right? Exactly. Well, and that's what I, I actually developed a backpack for uh, carrying kettlebells. And it was like something that was so out there and there weren't that many people using kettlebells at the time. So it was very um, risky. And so what we did was we just found a local manufacturer, literally a lady in a garage, and she put the backpacks together Sold them for 150 bucks, cost us 90 bucks. But then we went to to we sent a unit to China. Said, "Hey, how much can you make this for?" And they can make it for 30 dollars. And so now we had a product, but we sold it first because we didn't want to make a thousand units or ten thousand units. And you know, I think this is the most important thing. But that was a really good example because yours was also an, an innovation. Right. Like you said, there were some competitors in the market, but it's like, no, there's zero, which would make it even more risky because you might think, like, oh, nobody's doing this. It's like, oh, there might be a reason nobody's doing this. Yeah. You want to be the buccaneer, the second, not the pioneer, the first, right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or do what I did, which is just make a few, sell it, you know, spend your budget on advertising instead of all the other crap, and you'll probably be better off. But we'll talk a lot about budget because there's so many elements in there. We will. That'll be a good episode. All right. Last last big misconception, which is just, I'm going to say product in general. We did just touch on that with the budget. Uh, but a lot of people think that if you have an amazing product, people are going to buy it. Or the exact opposite, where nobody cares about the product. They just want to know, you know, I just want to have it so people could buy it from me, even though they could get it. 50 million other places. And I can make a business out of that because if I can just get 1% of this billion dollar market, I'll be a millionaire. It's like, that's dumb math. So <laughs> what are the, the misconceptions you usually see about product? And then what's uh, you know a teaser on what's the right way to do it? I think like when it comes to having the right product, it's not just the product itself. It's how you are packaging the product and positioning it to the world. Right. So at the very core, like we we had talked about this on this episode is you need proof of concept. You need to validate that at least 50 to hundred customers outside of your friends and family love what you're selling. But here's the problem. If you do that and then you go online and you fail to reach that audience and you use the wrong messaging with the wrong positioning, wrong offer, it could fall completely flat. 
So even though you had the best product in the world for someone, you've already validated that with the 50 to 100 customers you sold to organically, it just fell flat because we positioned it with the wrong messaging to the wrong audience, the wrong offer, right? So what we need to do is kind of like chill out a little bit <laughs> and like intent, like we already got the validation. So I'm feeling like so confident that we're going to get this to more people like that. But we got to kind of be patient. We got to go and do that like advertising laboratory stuff we were talking about. Let's like test wildly different messages and see what is really resonating. Because mm -hmm. when you have the right product with the right messaging and the right audience and the right offer, then you have product market fit, right? And that's when it just makes sense to everybody. They buy, they fall in love, they tell everybody about it and they do marketing for you. And that mm -hmm. is like the ultimate magical situation you want to be in. Well, and what you said kind of before we started, which was, the, you know, the best product won't save bad marketing and bad marketing won't save the best product. Absolutely. And when, but when you have a really good product with marketing that is great and it's aligned and it's honest and it's genuine and it's, they're both, the perceived value is high in the marketing, but the product delivers on the back end. You got a, a winning situation. Exactly. Well, and and the flip side is that the you know the the product doesn't matter. My marketing could do you know all the work for any crummy product that I make, but what you actually get is you you violate that principle of uh, lifetime customer value, right? Like you can sell them once, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Like it's actually fairly easy for somebody who's been a marketer for a long time. Like Mark, you and I could probably set up an ad and set up a landing page and make Figure a product sound amazing and sell it, right? And then, yeah, it's it's like that's only the first step in the equation, right? Buying is only the first step. Then they need to experience it. And the love needs to be really high. Like when they get that product in their hand and they love it, then it's like, okay, the marketing wasn't a hoax. It was mm -hmm. like, this is real, right? And that's going to lead to more people buying a second, third time more quickly if if the value is there. Exactly. And that customer avatar is there and the, you know, position of the websites there and the marketing is there and all yeah. these other aspects. That's what makes a product. But I, I love what you say about the, you know, you have to love the product too. Cause a lot of people, I think it's, it's just a cliche now, like you have to love what you do. And people think that means that you have to do something you enjoy all the time versus no, you have to love the process of what you're doing. And you have to love the delivery of the product that you're making happen and your customers. And that's what you need to love because if yeah. you don't love that process, you're never going to, you know, succeed or you might succeed, but you're never going to succeed to the level of somebody who actually likes their product. No, no one's going to love your product more than you. That's a, a, a thing I often That's a great say. one. Right. <laughs> because it's <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just adding to exactly what you were saying. No one's going to love the product more than you. So if you, if you're like, yeah, it's okay. No one's ever going to be like, that was the best product in the world. And like, I'm going to change your mind, founder who doesn't believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, if, but if you're like, I believe in it, I have conviction, then other people are going to be like, okay, I, I see where this is going. And they're going to rise to the occasion as well. Exactly. Well, so I think just having, you know, I think product, the positioning, the selection, the marketing, the everything that goes behind it, the customer care, you know, that's another thing that I think people are going to stop um, tolerating these days, which is crummy products that have planned obsolescence built in. So they break all the time. You know, I remember my, my fridge growing up from my parents' house. They literally had it for, I want to say 30 years, the same fridge kept on working, zero problems. And it was like magic. Now I can't buy a fridge that doesn't have the shelves break within the first like mm -hmm. couple months. If things are falling apart, the water thing doesn't work anymore. Same thing with like a washer dryers. But I think that's all changing. I think that people are not going to tolerate crummy products that are built to break just because 
you could buy another one for 800 bucks. One, because it's that's not a sustainable practice. And I think we're all kind of coming around to the like, hey, maybe we shouldn't waste so much stuff all the time. And like it matters. Crummy. Yeah, that's my biggest takeaway so far. I like the word crummy products. Crummy I, we, products. We, we don't want crummy products. And you're absolutely right. Like there was a time not too long ago, maybe five to seven years ago, where people were just like, hey, I'm going to do I'm nothing against drop shipping. If you're drop shipping, listening to this, nothing against drop shipping. But people would be like, I'm going to go do some drop shipping. I'm going to pick some crummy products from Alibaba. And I'm just going to try and turn that into a profitable business. But that leads to like a poor experience with the product, bad reviews, bad ship times, and all these kinds of things. And it's just a crummy experience yep. for the customer, right? So, so I think you're absolutely right. I think in this day and age, the way it's trending, it's like high value marketing, but also like high value product, right? And you got to keep that to, customer. Yeah, exactly. It's going to lead to CLV, customer lifetime value. Yeah. Well, I think CLV is going to be, and that's kind of, you know, a recurring theme that you're going to hear, uh, you know, from the series that we're doing with you, but also just in general, where I'm like, now CLV is going to be so much more important because everything's going to get really expensive to acquire new customers. And so you're not going to have, you know, you might not even have the organic approach to marketing that we've been kind of living off of for the last 10, 15 years. That might, there's a possibility that's not going to be available anymore. (laughs) So what are you going to do? You're going to spend a bunch of money to acquire those customers through paid advertising. And then your whole job is going to be to keep those customers happy. And you're going to do that through better products and services. And it's all customer centric. It's just like, listen to that customer, find out what problem you can solve, solve it in the best way that nobody else can. They're going to use it. They're going to fall in love and they're going to stick around. Yep. Well, uh, thank you for coming on the show, uh, Scott. That was fantastic. And if you didn't notice, we were actually kind of teeing up the concepts that we're going to be talking about in the next uh, five episodes that we have with you, which is going in depth on kind of the principles that you teach within the e-commerce cert and then everything that you continue to learn from helping, you know, business make $150 million a year. I'm so excited for the whole series. We're going to dive really deep. We're going to geek out a little bit more. This was a good intro conversation to everything. Love it. Well, if you people want more info in the meantime, where could they learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, just hit me up. Uh, you can check out Merchant Mastery on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok. We do daily videos, e-commerce tips, and reach out. Say hi. I want to hear how you're doing with your store. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott. Really appreciate your time and your input and looking forward to those other episodes. Cause I think, you know, like, like I said, we touched on the basic elements, but there's just so much to it that uh, we're not going to try to cover it in one episode. (laughs) You betcha. Thanks for having me, Mark. We'll see you again really soon. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketer.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketer. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. 
There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.